Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Twenty years ago, the Weber House in Riverhill Township was the site of ghastly depravity, a case the local police dubbed the Spirit Board Murders. Now WNUF-TV 28 takes you on a horrifying journey through this supposedly haunted estate. Come with me, Frank Stewart, and a team of paranormal experts as we seek to uncover the mystery. There's even a call and seance you can be a part of. Tonight, we will figure out if the Weber House is really haunted if ghosts do exist, and if we, the living, must fear them.
All right. Whenever you're ready, man. I'm ready whenever you are. Are you sure? Yes. Positive. Positive. All right. Jesus Christ. To BHS Life. Really? Why? (laughs) Why? Do you, you know, we got to, like, start doing this when the store closes. Because I think, I mean, we're close enough to closing time. But I really think, like, doing this when we're still open just does not fare well for us. Because if a customer comes in and we can't service them, Tony's not going to be happy because we're losing money. Uh, Fair enough. All right. So let's do the simple solution. Let's fucking speed this right along, and then we'll close the store early. Oh. Okay. I'm the assistant manager. I can make that fucking decision. I mean, shit, there's a car pulling in. Okay. I know, right? Fucking assholes always have to come at the last fucking minute. Okay. So, uh, Mike, you actually assigned me some homework, didn't you, Hey, how you doing, buddy? Just take a look around. Go ahead. I gotta greet the customers. Fucker. Fucking asshole comes in. Yeah. Okay, so... The homework that you assigned me. Yes. I love your hand gestures, by the way. They're so dynamic. (laughs) Was Basket Case. Yes. From 1982, correct? Uh, Correct. I was going to say 81, but I believe, yes, 82. All right. So, first off, where the fuck did you see this? That was one of those that when I was a, a, a child, a young Michael J., um, when he would go into the video store, um, you see VHSs lying around. And that was something that I saw. So I picked it up and I rented it. And the rest was history. I was like, wow, I'm like, there's eyes peeking out of a basket. Woo. I'm like, I wonder. I wonder what's in the basket. Exactly. Exactly, what's in the basket. I was wearing that shirt the other day, by the way. I definitely was. Well, you should wear it into the store, man. That's the kind of shit you should be wearing here. Not your fucking stupid little baseball tee. Oh, this is champion. We're all champions. (laughs) But, uh... Alright. So I'd never actually seen this. I've, of course, seen it in the store and other places. And, and it just, why did you not pick it up? It just never appealed to me, man. It never did. Um, but I, I did just through, fuck, the community that we're in know what it was, what it was about. And uh, and you were like, it's a shit pile. I don't want to see it. No, no. Um so I, I popped it in and it starts playing and right off it, it's got this chud vibe to it. Okay. You know, now, not now, the best I've, acting. I've never seen chud, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I know a future homework assignment for someone. Well, I have to, it, like I said, it is coming out on Blu-ray from Arrow in November, so I do plan on getting it at some point. You need to. Yeah. But, um, I have chud 2 coming, like I said, from the Bestron Video Collector Series. November 22nd. Bud the Chud. You don't like Bud? No. That is a complete betrayal of what Chud was. Okay, so it reminds you of Chud. 
which is the I don't know what the, I forget what it stands for, but so does Belial or Belial remind you of a chud? No, 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 no. Just kind of the general feel the film gave me. Okay. It it was bad acting, bad production. It it, it screamed you, of that era of wait. kind of schlocky New York independent filmmaking. Do you did you ever listen to Rabbit and Red back in in the heyday? Of course you know, I back did. Back in like 2011, 2012? Yeah. No you didn't. Um because you know we um interviewed um Frank Henenlotter the um, director of Basket Case. Yeah, but he's a real hard get. Actually, anyway. he, he actually it was kind of hard to nail him down. Honestly, he was very challenging. I'm not kidding. Yeah, because he's such a busy fucking it, guy. It, it, I mean, he didn't only make that; he also made um, Frankenhooker and some other classics there. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, there's not the best acting in the world in this. The production values, eh. Um, It it generally just kind of has this schlocky feel to it. Okay. But I didn't hate it. You know, with everything that I'm saying, I, I did not hate this film. Did you enjoy the presentation of Male Bush? (laughs) <laughs> that was actually somewhat amusing. Okay, can I can I I'll tell you a little quick side story. Now, I've told you before that the guy that played the original Thorn in my Camp Out Nightmare films is a gay gentleman, right? I you do know right, that, right, right. right? Well, do you realize that when you when brought I, him in here when I spoke. first when I first got this movie on the Blu-ray, um I showed it to because you know, when I first got Blu-ray, it was kind of like you. I I feel like the need to have to sell people on the Blu-ray format. Right. So I told him about it. So, you know, we were going through and we were watching it. And, you know, he noticed, like, the, the, the man bush. So he made me pause it so he could ex- inspect how it looked in high definition. Wow. Did it hold up? I got it. To, well, you watched the Blu-ray. How did it hold up for you? No, I'm saying for him, did it, did it pass the test? Uh, I think if he could have, like, if they had virtual reality television back then, he would have just reached his mouth right through the screen and just started sucking. <laughs> um, no, the picture quality was actually pretty good for this. Uh, I, I think the presentation of, of the Blu-ray is honestly better than the film deserves. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't hate it, but I, I gotta say I didn't, I didn't love it either. Um... <laughs> Did it, will I rewatch it? Right. At some point, I probably will. Is it something will that you I could see yourself this? watching with the girlfriend? Like, and no, saying, oh, know. look at the cute little Belial. Maybe we could get him and he could be a pet with the cat. And I'll put the cat in the basket. Meow. Meow. That, uh, it's actually a really good impersonation. <laughs> but... Now that's where it fell a little short for me was Belial. I mean, he just he didn't sell it to me. And if the deaths were a little bit better done than uh, just his his claymation hand coming up, just that puppet hand, that was beautiful, and blood. Yeah. And did, uh, 
did did you enjoy the 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 black nipples and breast in the film? <laughs> I I I I did. I gotta say, I didn't expect the the rape scene from Belial. That was a very nice turn of events. Yes. Um, that, was, that was very enjoyable. Um, just kind of makes me uh, suspect where the sequel goes from there. Uh, teenage Michael J got a lot of mileage out of that scene. Oh, I bet. You know, I bet. That was back when I had it on a fucking SLP VHS. You couldn't pause that because when you paused it, you know, the thing got all like fuzzy. So I had to just keep like rewinding it. And then sometimes <laughs> if you slow-mo it and you do like the frame-by-frame frame advance, you know how they do that on the VHSs? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, oh, you yeah. do the frame-by-frame frame advance. If you hit it just right, you could get the fuzzy to go so you see nipple. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you, uh, got, you, got, uh, you got two minutes before it fucks up, so you got to crank this one out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes is like fucking record time, buddy. Dude, um, I can go in thirty seconds. What the fuck? Are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but I'm a cripple. I mean, Most special it, people can really move. If people are a fan of, of the schlocky cinema of yeah. stuff like that, yeah, you you definitely need to see this. I'm actually glad I did see this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. It's not a win for you. I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving you a win because it's not like I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's not like I loved it. So that that's it's it's not a win for you, Mike. No. But you did do a good job. It's it's uh it's uh I I I, I don't I don't know. And it, it's it's uh, you 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 know you, you gave me a nice pat on the butt. You know mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, maybe the the thumb, maybe I could have put it a little closer to the asshole, but didn't make it on this one. But maybe next one. I have, yeah, I have to. Think, that was a that was a real good try, though. Yeah, I have to think about like what you have in your archive, so I can, you know, um, pick something, um, you know, that is maybe better suited for you. Um, but you did give me homework as well. I did. I did because I. I just felt like, you know, we're getting so close to Halloween that we we needed to, to kind of duel it out with horror films. And uh, right. so I assigned you one of the ones that I, I actually hold in high regard, Demons. Right. And I want to ask you something about this before we get into the film, really. Now, uh, obviously you can tell it's an Italian film, correct? Right. Okay, now... Why on the Blu-ray, because I have the Synapse Blu-ray I bought from Amazon just for the purpose of, because I've never seen it before, obviously, so I bought it just for the purpose of watching it for this show. Um, why is it dubbed, yet there is no Italian language track? It's just Who dubbed. fucking knows, man? <laughs> no, but I'm saying, there. I don't think there is any version out there with the Italian track with just subtitles. Um, to be honest with you, I have no idea. Well, your uh, Blu-ray that you have, because you have the Steelbook, I believe. Yes, I do. Uh, your Steelbook only has English audio options, correct? There's not an Italian audio option. I believe. Um, I don't know. I'll have to break it out when I get home and check that out. I'm, I'm not 100%. 
I think they. I know that I know there's at least two audio options on it, but I'll have to check. Well, no, there's there's two audio options on mine too, but one is um, something for an international cut, like a better um, transcribed version or something. And plus, um, uh, I mean, okay, as a whole, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, come on, I try to um, avoid foreign films. There's only a select few um, foreign films that I've actually seen. Um, I don't like to sit there and actually read the subtitles all the time because I feel like that's actually work when you're trying to watch a movie. You know, I just, I, I, it takes me out of it kind of. Um, yeah, my girlfriend's the same way. Well, thank God. Um, so, but the thing is, um, I just, uh, when I realized that I wasn't going to have to read the movie, I was able to kind of like let myself go and, you know, become immersed into it. And I was eating a s'mores pop tart and drinking coffee as I was watching it. And, um, it was very enjoyable. I, um, it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be, honestly. <laughs> I, uh, I thought some of the dubs were humorous. Um, the black gentleman who was with the two, um, whores or hookers as they were referred to was by one of the other people in the movie theater. Hey, she's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that black gentleman, whoever did that, okay, he played the most stereotypical type of character. I mean, and I just could not help but laugh at every word he said. Seriously. <laughs> he was just very humorous. I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, but on a whole, it was it was really good. I mean, even the effects for, for what it was. And I like kind of like how, you know, what was happening on the screen was kind of also going on in real life. I thought that that added to it. I thought that it was really... Right. I mean, at the time, I guess that came out in 80... Was that 86? Uh, I, I want to say 86 or 87. Yeah. I'm not 100%. You might be right. I think it might have been 87. But, I mean, for the time, I think, you know, it was, uh, I mean, it was really good. And, obviously, uh, I don't think I would have picked up on this when I was a little kid. I mean, I remember seeing the VHS in the video store when I was a kid. And I don't think I ever got it because it just never clicked with me. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't get it when I was a kid because I think um, younger me probably wouldn't have enjoyed it much at all. I And I can kind of get that because the story is kind of all over the place. I mean, we're in a movie and then we're with the audience watching the movie and then we're with some punks driving around snorting coke out of a coke can. And Oh, and when that one dude gets the razor blade and it's like going around with that one chick. Ooh, I was like, you were going to slice off a nipple and I can't wait to see it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Cause her pain. Cause her pain now. You know, you should probably seek help for that. But uh, <laughs> you could also check out some of my former videos. Um, I know the site sound and whatnot, but I still have some on my external hard drive. I'll, oh. I'll bring that into the store. And you, you know can check what? Them out. And why don't we... Why don't we do this? Now, since Halloween is coming, we should um, get a uh, John's Picks section 
I think we can just go into the new releases and just wipe those all out. And instead, you know, just put John's picks over it and put all your movies in there that you like. That means you can charge uh, new release fees for uh, general releases. Let's do it. Well, that's actually a good idea. But why don't, why don't we use the, the rack here that we have for the fucking snacks and we'll just clear out no. the snacks. We'll just put that shit on no, the counter. fucker. Those no, we'll just fucking, put the fucking snacks on the counter and we'll get like a bucket and we'll put that shit in there. Those are like we'll just put the shit in a, a fucking not trick or treat bucket. No, no, not trick or treat. And then we can put bucket. our picks there. I don't want those little fucking kids to come in and steal my Wonka bars. Are you insane? And goobers and Wonka bars? Fuck you! I need my goobers and my yes. Wonka bars. I know you eat most of the fucking candy. Yeah, you're goddamn right. I do. <laughs> I, I have an, I have a reputation to uphold in this in this establishment. <laughs> so. Overall, should people see demons, though, man? Oh, God, yes. So, I got the point. Oh, I finally got a point. God damn it. Yes, the do. whole time we've been doing homework. What the hell else did... I don't even remember what the fuck other titles you're giving me to watch anymore, because my, my uh, brain... I gave you Brave Encounters. Yeah, fuck that piece of shit. Uh, I don't even fucking remember. But anyway, <laughs> this is the first time I've scored a point, so we are now even. Wow. One apiece. I'm coming back, bitch. <laughs> I am coming back. Well, I already know my pick. Oh, for the I Halloween know. Special. Oh, we're doing a pit. We're doing picks for that. Wow, I didn't even realize we are. We are. Okay. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. All right. My pick for our Halloween special is something from... that I have. I maybe. Uh, but my pick is uh, The Beyond. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I think I have to get that one then. That's uh... Not from Beyond, but The Beyond. Wait, hold on. The Beyond. Um, hold on. Wait, I gotta, I'm going to look that up because I think, I think I have it. If it's what I'm thinking of, I think I do have it. I don't know where it is, but I have it, I think. Uh Keep talking. Tell me a little bit about it for a minute. <laughs> well, here, let, let, let me go back to demons. Um, Please go back the to thing demons. That really gets me about demons is yeah, you're right about the the effects, but I, I love how claustrophobic it is and how yes, I have it. <laughs> how to me, it's almost Evil Dead on a bigger scale, made by Italians. You know, it has that vibe. It has kind of that feel. And I do really like the effects. I, I like the the shot of the, the horde of demons oh. coming towards the people in their glowing eyes. Oh, come on. It's better than fucking fuck Evil Dead. Oh, fuck you. It's better than Evil Dead. And you know why it's better? Because Bruce isn't in it. <laughs> oh, well, did I, did I send you this? Me? Did I send you this beyond the three-disc collector's edition Blu-ray set? No, you fucking asshole. It's a two-disc set, and then it also includes the soundtrack CD. You suck. I have it. Well, now that I know that that's what you're talking about, yeah, I have it. I have to remember. Next batch. Um, ooh, what's something that I could pick for you that's really, really... And this is this is for Halloween time, so... Ooh, um, yeah, I was going to pick, I had a, 
a drama in mind, but that's not going to fly for Halloween time. Um, you think? Yeah, you better bring the heat because I'm thinking I might bleed. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, hmm. All right, well, we're, while you're thinking, man, um, uh, I, I just kind of want to put out there, our activity has, has been kind of low. Um, really haven't seen 80s me. Uh, haven't heard from 70s us. Thank God for that. Uh, I, I did see 80s me once. I, I think I did. Um, you know, the, the 70s uh, Trans Am or, uh, tried uh, keeping up with me or, or following me or, or something. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I have a fucking Hemi Charger. Oh. So that shit didn't fly. And it's all hemmed up. Fuck that. Yep. So you I know, smoked his ass and know, haven't I, seen him. But, dude, you know, dude hold on. I no, found wait, 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 wait. But now look, I realize that it's close to Halloween time, you know, and I know that you have the, the you know, your cat, Luna. I know she's black. And I know that, you know, you're figuring because of the Halloween time that you'd bring her into the store and because Tony's not here, you know, you like to creep people out. Maybe you should just kind of like, you know, put her down. So I don't get like hairballs all over myself. I don't appreciate. She's that. just on the counter, man. She's just chilling. <laughs> but uh, I'll be her cat mate. See, meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you're gonna call her over to you. All right. So here's the thing. I said last week I was, I was get trying the fuck away to from come me. up. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a solution with an answer. I think I found it, man. You think you found it? So, I, I was watching Halloween Four the other day. Ah, and that opening sequence where we have all the uh, the Halloween imagery really got me thinking. You know, it's, it's this time of year, and this is a magical fucking time of year. Right. So, what can I use around that? And so I started doing a little bit of research, just like the filmmakers did. Yeah. And you know. Halloween really came to be because the Celts felt this is when the veil between the worlds was the thinnest. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we can fucking use that. Maybe. And then I, I started doing some research on how to talk to others outside of our world. Mm-hmm. And I have the answer, Mike. You have the answer. What's the answer? It should be coming in the mail within a day or two. I bought us a vintage... Witchboard. Oh my god. Yeah. I bought us a fucking old as hell Ouija board, man. Now the seller he says that he found it in an abandoned house in the basement. Um it, it's in pretty mint condition, but on the, the back side, the bottom of it, whatever you want to say, is uh uh there's like a a, a graving, you know, it, it says uh Zozo, but Oh, and past that, the the board's fine. Um, Sozo. Uh, he he said that uh, there were some vials and stuff buried in the basement with it that he would send. Um, so apparently, we're getting some vials of shit too. Oh, interesting. But, yeah, it, it's 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 coming. Hmm. Oh, and hopefully. And I just figured out what your homework is for the Ooh. Halloween special. Okay. Lady in white. 
right. All right. Lady in white. Yes. That actually does take place around Halloween time, so. And, uh, didn't, didn't Scream Factory just release that? <laughs> they certainly did. All right. I'm just going to take the, the copy home one of these nights then that we have in the store and watch it. All right, cool. Yeah, you could do that. All right, so, uh, yeah, our next episode will be our Halloween special where we are going to use this antique witch board. Well, do you think that we should have somebody – do you think we should have a professional here to kind of guide us through it so we don't end up getting killed? Mike, you're probably the kind of guy that reads the fucking directions on shit too. I mean – I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that shit out. We'll, I put we'll my, out the details I'll later. put my hand on the eyelet, or whatever the hell they call it. Is that what they call it? The eyelet? The uh, eyelet? The eyelet? <laughs> no. Well, what the fuck do they the call planchette. it? The planchette. The planchette. Ah, that's what it is. But, but, yeah. but wait, but it has like a little piece of plastic that you can put your eye up to, and you see demons through it and shit. No, that's just in that shitty movie. Didn't you ever see uh, Ouija wasn't bad. That was a shitty, shitty movie. It wasn't horrible. It was fucking horrible. It definitely wasn't. Um, The second one probably looks to be... I mean, I would see it only because everybody's, like, giving that Mike Flanagan guy some sort of, like... You know, he's like a god. Um, He has made some really good fucking movies, but I think I'll wait to, you know, watch our screening copy of this one. Oh, you're not going to go to the theater? I thought you loved going to the movies no. and getting popcorn. I, I do love going to the movies, yeah. but, you know, this one just has the stink of the first one on it, and the trailers, they look decent, but they've never fucking sold me on it. Eh. I don't know. I'm just not excited about it. You know what I am excited about, though? I'm excited that uh, me and Sarah are going to go watch a presentation in the theater of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Wow. Is it uh it's digital, right? It's not 35. Yeah, it's it's going to be a digital one. I wonder if it'll be in widescreen or the original full screen ratio. Cuz cuz Kubrick originally shot it in full screen, I believe. But for yeah, he the did. He Blu-ray did. and DVD releases, some of them well, I know the Blu-ray is in widescreen, and I believe there are some DVDs out there in widescreen as well. Which is a fucking shame, mm. but uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to let you know. Most likely, it'll probably be fucking widescreen, but hey, you know, I, at least I get to experience that masterpiece in a theater, yes. so. Yes, uh, it's so good. So, I fucking love that so movie. So good. Have you seen it the is. miniseries? The the one with um, it was like six hours long. Stephen Weber played. Uh, yeah, that's the it. Weber. Character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not nearly as good, but yeah. decent, decent. And, I mean, yeah. when we're talking stuff like that, mm-hmm. to me, I, it, it's controversial. But I really think the Rob Lowe uh, Salem's Lot is fucking good you know and i was thinking about you the other day because um ifc had on um i think uh tuesday and wednesday tuesday they had the original salem's lot miniseries on from 79 and then wednesday they had the rob Lowe one on 
Oh, on that's IFC. awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I didn't watch either of them, but that's because I have. Yeah. I have the you know the Blu-ray of the '79 one that I want to kind of dig into again. So uh, that'd be worth reseeing. Um, all right, man. We're 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 taking far too fucking long with this bullshit. I mean, we got off topic, but uh, yeah. We're, we're going to take a little break here. We'll come back with some Halloween traditions, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, maybe I'll school you all on some Halloween history. Who knows? Maybe. It should be some uh, treats with uh, no tricks. Maybe a trick. Maybe maybe just a surprise finger in the butt. Yeah, or, or, you know, I'll get the popcorn buckets that we have there, the microwave popcorn, and I'll cut a hole, sit it on your lap, and show you how you put a finger through the bottom. Finger. Yeah. Why? Why would you put a finger through the bottom? Oh. Every time I go to the theater, I just put my dick in it. Well, because I don't. I don't think that's going to fit through the bottom. No, you you just take your keys and you make the hole bigger. Ah. Oh. And then you shove your dick up through it, and it oh. blocks the popcorn from getting out. But once you get down there far enough, yeah. And the butter makes it all nice and slippery. Yeah. Plus, it tastes better. And plus, it like probably. Burns yeah, you got to get the jumbo bucket. Yeah. So. And if it gets inside. You know, that butter topping, forget it. You're fucking, you'll get a urinary tract infection pretty quick. Well, yeah, that's why you get the jumbo bucket so she can fit her head in it. Ah! All right. And then your, yeah. your secret sauce is like an extra topping. There you go, buddy. Now you're on track. And we will be back with more tips like that. <laughs> yes. Right after this quick message from our sponsors.
Do you need a scare this Halloween? <laughs> well, may I suggest the scare house in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is a frighteningly good time, featured on several television shows and frequently ranked in the top five haunted attractions of all of America. <laughs> Stop by and enjoy the frights. And don't forget the basement where you are part of the attraction and you just might stay forever. <laughs> That's the scare house in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right, and we're back on VHS Life. Wow, that was horrible. No wonder that, I rarely let you do you it. You know what? You're an asshole. I did not even get done with what I was going to say, and you all of a sudden just, okay, well, that was whatever. No. I wanted to throw in my, like, sexual thing to kind of get the people, like, into it. Like, just really get down and dirty with it. And you, you... What like, you... no one wants to get down and dirty with you. Well, you know, I'll take you behind the curtain. I already desecrated your hatchet poster back there. Yeah, fuck you. I'll desecrate right, so... something else if you want. Fuck you. <laughs> Mike, we're just about to do a fucking segment on Halloween traditions, and there's still a customer here. What the fuck, man? Yeah, I'm looking for uh, the weirdest possible Halloween movie uh, I could ever watch. What do you guys think? What's a good choice here? Well, <sighs> that's WNUF. I was going to say special. Where do we have a DVD? I wouldn't say that's that's it's funny you should say that because I was involved in making that movie. That's I you think it's weird? It is weird. It's it's a weird movie, that's for sure. I wouldn't say it's the weirdest, but I mean last week on our top 5 films of October Ween, I included that. So nice. Wait. Hold. Oh, hold on a second. Wait, you were involved in that? Wait. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy wow. shit. We're... All right. Well, do you mind if we talk to you a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? All right, cool, guys, cool. All right, guys, guys, sit down here. Guys, no. sit, sit, take my chair. Fucking right. knock the Blu-rays off. That. There we go. Sit the fuck down here. Careful, careful. careful. It's royalty. Sit down. <laughs> Royalty. Oh, God. Well, if you don't mind, uh, could you introduce yourself to the listeners and just kind of let them know who you are? I mean, yeah, you're... sure. Um, uh, my name is Jimmy George. I am a writer and producer for Midnight Crew Studios. Um, we've uh, made six feature, horror feature films, micro budget feature films. And uh, uh, I was a co writer and co producer of WNUF Halloween Special. Along with many others, there were many writers on that film, and uh, and uh, we had about, um, I believe it's eight commercials were directed by different directors, and then the rest of, I think there's like, I think there's 41 commercials, um, and so most of the commercials were done by Chris, but there were eight that were done for, by uh, friends of ours across the country um, that we reached out to and were willing to help us out and uh, contribute, so... Wow, that's that's fucking impressive. So you were one of the writers of it. Yeah, um, Chris pitched this idea to me, and um, you know we had a few a few meetings about uh, the story, and uh, we ran from there. So yeah. Well, 
if if you don't mind me asking, what was kind of the uh, inspiration behind this there's whole thing? There's a uh, a lot of uh, inspiration. It's funny. People always uh, compare it to Ghostwatch. Uh, the number one thing I hear is it's a ripoff of Ghostwatch. But Chris and I, and I don't know if he's seen it since we made uh, WNUF. I still have not seen Ghostwatch. Uh, and at the time when we made WNUF, Chris had not seen Ghostwatch either. So it's funny that it, it you know... I, I've seen what Ghostwatch is now since everybody compares it to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally see why people say that. But we never actually have seen Ghostwatch. Um, no, I, I actually no have to admit what Ghostwatch is. I don't know what yeah, it is. I have to admit I've never seen it either. It is, a, it is a Halloween special that the BBC did that was basically like a War of the Worlds scenario where they tried to trick the audience. They did it live on television in the 90s. Um, and uh, they they did the full feature. It was, I mean, it's very it's very similar in that uh, it's a it's a TV host, uh, you know, introducing the scenario and introducing the players involved. You know, there's like an there's like an exorcist and a and a ghost hunter, all very similar characters. Um, and they go in and crazy shit happens on the air. But also, WNUF was inspired by. Um, you know, the, the public access TV uh, in the 80s that uh, Chris and I grew up with and that we all grew up with loving. I mean, um, you know, we have it's WNUF, but we had a station around us called WNUV um, that, you know, did their own programming and had horror movies on in the every Saturday afternoon and just, uh, you know, had their own cast of characters that work for the station. And uh, it was inspired by uh, public access stations in the 80s like that. Wow, I mean, that is really that, that's really the thing about WNUF to me that that really grabs me is just the huge sense of nostalgia throughout that. I mean, it takes me back to being a kid and sitting down around Halloween and, and watching, you know, our, our local channels. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, and uh, you know that's that's a credit to Chris. Uh, the aesthetic. This is the first uh, movie ever that. From the very pitch of exactly how he described it aesthetically to me, the end result is 100% exactly how he described it when he pitched it. Um, he just nailed it. And uh, he had the most creative uh, involvement in this one. This was more his baby than any of our other projects, meaning like uh, like a bulk of the creative work was done by Chris. And so I feel like that's why it's our best work, oddly, um, because he had such a clear vision and he was able to execute it since we, um, since we did it so uniquely. We, we did this movie. This was the first movie we did where um, most of it was done uh, kind of with one take, right? So we uh, usually we'll shoot a scene and we'll shoot like, you know, all the various different angles and we'll spend a whole day on like three pages, right? Um, and with this, we were doing, we did like 50 pages of the movie, like 50 minutes of the movie in three days. Oh, wow. So, um, and that was because, uh, we rehearsed heavily with the actors. Chris rehearsed for weeks with the actors. Um, so everybody was off book and, you know, there was a script and people really did follow the script. A lot of people think it's, it was improv, but it really was almost to a T the script. Um, and you know, but we left some room for improv. Just, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you're shooting. Um, so there's always room for improv. But most of it followed the script to a T. Um, so, yeah. 
Wow. So I, I, I kind of have to ask, what was kind of like the, the real world influences on the story that, that was told, though? Uh, you know, the Geraldo, uh, the Satanic Panic. That was a that was a huge influence. The Satanic Panic of the 80s um, and all the all the silly local commercials that you grew up with that you just don't see now. I mean, you still see local commercials, but it's it's not the same. They they. Now they they try to be more polished and uh, you know they they hire uh, professionals and spend a lot of money on their commercials. Where in the eighties and early nineties, like people just like grabbed a camera and set it up and started talking um, and didn't really take care. They tried, but you know they failed uh, um, heartwarmingly. You know you you love the <laughs> commercials, those old local commercials and. Uh, Ah, uh, yeah, the Geraldo, you know, opening the vault, the satanic panic. Um, when we were doing this, uh, Chris, how, how, how it usually works is uh, Chris will pitch an idea or I'll pitch an idea, and whoever, whatever we settle on, um, the other will uh, give each other an influences box. And so he handed me a stack of six-hour tapes from the 90s that he had and the and the 80s that he had taped off of television um that was just one halloween thing after another it was like five different halloweens of 6 hour tapes just like nonstop we had so much material to inspire us with that alone uh, it was awesome that is amazing um the backstory of the house is it, it is reminiscent of amityville but it has its own spin on it. And I have to say, I actually really love that and how much it, it kind of focuses on the Ouija board. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we had to make it our own. Um, it, it certainly, I mean, there's, there's so many like haunted house scenarios that, uh, that we could have drawn from. It's sort of like an amalgam of all of them, you know, um, but trying to put it in a real world setting, you know, um, even though Amityville is supposed to be real, uh, there's obviously a lot of exaggeration when you're telling it in a movie form. So, um, yeah, that was actually the spirit board murders was one of the first things that, uh, we came up with that, uh, you know, shaped the story around. And that was mainly because we had this location. So that location, the Weber house, um, that is that location we've used in five different feature films. It's just this incredible house. I'm not going to say where it is. Um, that, we no longer have access to, but uh, for a long time we had access to, and no one was using it. And so uh, we would constantly, every year, find ourselves, well, we're making another movie. Is there anything we could do with this space that we still have that's still awesome? Um, and so we finally found a concept that we could really use the whole house as the movie. And that was the first time that we, you know, shaped the whole story around that location. But uh, so... When we decided to make this movie, part of it was built around the fact that we had this location, which is like one of the hallmarks of making a micro-budget film is if you want to do something good, you got to work with what you have. And so you got to maximize the production value, right? Like, so we're like, we have this incredible house. Let's make a movie around it. So Now, you keep saying micro-budget. Just being curious, roughly what was the budget of this? Uh, do you guys know? I have no idea. I have no idea it's, either. Fifteen hundred dollars, the budget of WNUF Halloween Special, and that's not—that's no lie. Like a thousand of that was for costumes, um, because 
you know, they had to be period appropriate as much as we could do within the means that we had. Um, and then a lot of the rest of it was spent on props and food. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people in, in, in the house scenes, all the extras, you know, that are outside that are on the live broadcast. We had to feed all of them. And um, a lot of times with our movies, uh, we, we end up spending more money on food than anything else um, because we're not paying our actors. Everybody works for free. It's, a, it's like a volunteer operation. And so the least that you can do is feed people well, right? Keep them, keep them happy um, and just show gratitude by giving them a lot of food to eat. Um, and so, so when I say micro budget, yeah, we make our movies, uh, anywhere from micro, uh, WNUF is the smallest budget movie we've made $1,500. And then the biggest budget movie movie we made is, is Call Girl of Cthulhu, which we made for 40,000. I don't know if you guys are aware of that one. I, I have not seen it. I know of it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but we made uh, WNUR for $1,500. Um, so we, we, we maxed that out, that's for sure. Well, that, that's mind-blowing to me because the final product does not reflect that at all. No, not well, at all. we designed it um, so that we, we, we had to come up with a concept. Like, it works because it's supposed to look shitty. Like, it's inherent to the, to the, to the concept, right? It's a shitty tape from you know, old 80s footage. So it could look bad and it works in it works in the piece's favor. Like usually um, our movies, when they look cheap, it works it works against our movies, right? It's instantly the first critique that like a viewer has. But with this one, um, it adds to it, you know, it strengthens it. And so I really think that's one of the reasons that um, it works so well, you know, um, because we were able to get away with it. Um, without having uh, really high value cameras, etc. Well, I I gotta say I'm I'm just actually kind of blown away by that. Um, but see, I told you, John, we can make a movie for fifteen hundred and still be okay. I told you that <laughs> we can do it. And and like it's funny because like I always uh, I I. I am a screenplay consultant and crowdfunding consultant. Uh, that's what I do for a living. And um, I always hear people, they they bring me these scripts that they want to make themselves. And uh, they've had it drilled into their heads that they can only uh, bring it to life themselves within a reasonable budget if they have like one location, like the whole story is set in one location. Now, granted, WNUF is very much like that. But, um, you know, these, these stories a lot of low budget movies it's one location and two actors and uh it's like essentially a play right and to me like there's just so much more you can do um people are setting the bar low when it comes to uh movies at, at our budget level so we always i mean it stresses us out but we always have like you know 15 to 20 speaking roles you know like five to six locations like we do a lot with with very little that we try to and we don't like to limit ourselves to one one location well like i said you you do a fantastic job because i would have never in a million years guessed that well thanks and I, I just i did hear something about some of your promotional tactics and, and i just kind of have to ask you guys or I just have to ask you about that because um, the the rumor was is that 
you guys were going to like uh, VHS conventions and just kind of leaving copies. Yeah, Chris and his wife and uh, one of our friends, uh, Clint Kelly, he helped us uh, make, you know, like a a couple hundred copies. And uh, Chris and his wife would go to, uh, Chris is the VHS enthusiast of this duo here. And uh, Chris would go to these VHS conventions and he would just like leave them on tables um, with just like a thing on the spine that says like WNUF Halloween special. Um, And some of them were unmarked and they would just drive around and throw them out the window. Um, Even today, um, I like to go around. I don't do it on uh, VHS, but I I will go around Halloween and uh, I will find my favorite decorations and I will just blo- drop a blank disc into their mailbox, and it's the WNUF Halloween special. It's not like a burned copy off of the DVD, the distribution DVD. Like, there's no menu or anything. They just pop it in, and it would come on. So I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, what they're like, what the hell is on this disc? And then it's like a Halloween movie. <laughs> or they think, uh, yeah. So, yeah. That, but, uh, that... but what we also did, I'm not sure if you guys know, but... um. We uploaded it to a torrent site with a fake description just to see what would happen um, in addition to the throwing out the tapes and leaving the tapes at the various uh, conventions. We actually also uh, yeah, uploaded it ourselves, which is like, we, you know, filmmakers don't do that. Here, please steal my movie. But we just wanted to, to try to see if it would spread. And uh, it was really funny reading all the comments before before leading up to the release reading all the comments as people watch the movie and then like you know spread it around just seeing like what is this you know like is this real like um it was fun it was a lot of fun to 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 approach it that way i mean he and i both really feel like you should know it's fake within like five minutes like it's it's not it's convincing uh in this in the right scenario like if you're at a party and like uh, your friends have a couple beers and you, I've heard some people say that they show some of their friends who are half drunk and they really get into it and really believe it's real. But I think like if you're of sound mind, when you watch it like five minutes in, you should know that it's that it's fake. You know, we never we never thought for a second that we'd be able to convince people the way that the Blair Witch did. Um, that was never our intention. I, I actually do think, though, that, you know, in the right scenario, you definitely could, especially lo- uploading it to the torrent sites. I mean, you could get some younger viewers that normally wouldn't see this and be completely convinced of it. So That's true. What I think, though, what I find, though, is I actually think that the people who have – who uh, react the weakest, like the least excited about the movie are the people who didn't grow up. Uh, seeing, uh, experiencing television that way. Um, like the time capsule aspect works against it for younger viewers. I've, I've felt, I feel like I've seen, I feel like people who get it fucking love it. And people who don't understand what it is they're watching, they expect it to have jump scares and be structured like a normal film. And that's, that was, you know, obviously we put in, we structured it very deliberately, but ultimately it's meant to feel like, a broadcast through and through. So a lot of people complain that we go to commercial during the various uh, 
moments where they want the audience wants to see exactly what would happen. But if it was reality, if it were really like a public access station, they would cut to commercial the second shit was going bad. You know, like we tried to play it as real as possible. Um, and, and no, that actually works in in some situations. You know, that can actually work to your advantage as well because you're almost playing with the theater of mind at that point, and you're making yeah. people anxious as to what the hell is going on during this break. Definitely, yeah. And then, like, yeah, exactly. And uh, well, just, in uh, my, I mean, just in my opinion, um, WNUF is better than Blair Witch Project. Seriously. Uh, well, thanks for saying that, but... Um, I hate Blair we, Witch. We would heavily time. disagree. Well, we're actually friends with uh, Ed Sanchez. He's uh, he's an awesome dude. Uh, the guy who... One of the two directors of the Blair Witch Project. Um, Chris has worked on some of his projects. Um, and he's a huge supporter of us. And uh, I, I would admit, he, I am actually a huge fan of Blair Witch. But I can totally get why uh, the polarizing effect of the movie, for sure. Um, yeah. But... Uh, no, we... Thanks for saying. We've actually spoken to Ed a couple times, and oh, I'm a huge cool. fan. So nice. I did not see the new one yet. I did not see it. Did you guys see it? It's better than the. It's better than the first one. I'll tell you. Fascinating. That. Yes. I've he heard... says that. I say it is the perfect follow up. I absolutely love it. I've I've heard all aspects. I've heard all sides of that. Uh, I have friends who absolutely love it. I have friends who absolutely hate it. So who knows? Um, I'm excited to see it soon. Yeah, a lot of people seem to hate on it because it is such a follow-up to the original. But for myself, it does somewhat answer some of the, the problems that people had with the first one. It, it explains the backstory a bit more. You get to see a tiny bit more. Nice. And once you get to the third act, it is a fucking roller coaster ride. And nice. I will freely say it actually freaked me out. That's awesome. Okay, now I really want to see it. Yeah, I'm a <laughs> fan of Adam Wingard and uh, Simon Barrett. I think they're awesome. Um, I love everything they've done. So um, that alone makes me want to see it. Um, but so I just haven't had it, haven't gotten around to it. No. It's totally worth seeing. I absolutely love nice. it. It's my favorite horror film I've seen this year. Wow. Oh, shit. High praise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I, I just kind of want to ask, you know, you, you said that this was the director's vision through and through. So what is kind of your thoughts on the final product? Because, you know, it has this whole VHS feel to it and all that. Uh, my thoughts on the final product, I like, I absolutely love it. I, uh, I can't believe it turned out as good as it did. I, I, I know I said that about my, our comic project earlier, but, um, it was another one of those things where, like, given the means that we had to work with, um, I can't believe that we pulled it off. Uh, I'm really proud of Chris and the work that he did and uh, just our team in general. And uh, I think that the fact that if you had told me that we would make a movie that year every year people are discovering and instantly putting it on their halloween traditional rotation you know because we all have those things those we associate holidays with certain movies and part of what gets us in the mood for these holidays is watching these films and uh it's just really incredible and heartwarming that so many people responded to it you know when when chris pitched it to me and we start we decided to do it 
when we when we're like, okay, we're gonna spend you know a year of our lives because when you're making a movie, the deciding factor basically becomes is this worth a year or two of our lives? Because when it's all said and done between developing it, making it, and then doing the festival uh, aspect and then the distribution aspect, um, it's like a year, right? So we were like, is this worth a year of our lives? And uh, we were like, yeah, let's do it. And Chris was like, you know what? No one's going to like this movie, but fuck it. Let's do it anyway. And I was on board and uh, we just had no idea people would love it. We really didn't. <laughs> so it's really awesome. The reaction that we've gotten. It is on my rotation. I freely admit that. And I, I highly <laughs> advise it to everyone this time of year. That's just crazy to me. <laughs> well, but, but I'm glad. I'm glad. You've mentioned your team and you've mentioned other projects. So just being curious, what else should people check out from you? Uh, I mean, what yeah. do we need to start carrying in this store? Yeah, we're, we're most famous for WNUF Halloween special. Our biggest budget movie, like our biggest production value uh, movie is uh, Call Girl of Cthulhu. Um, we did a Kickstarter for it in 2012 while we were shooting WNU Italian Special, um, which was just a bad idea. And But ultimately, we were successful, and we raised $27,000 through uh, uh, Kickstarter for Call Girl. And then um, we, uh, the distributor ultimately came in and kicked it up, helped us and a few other small um, investors, and... Uh, the biggest mo movie we had made before that um, was Witch's Brew, and that is a, a movie about cursed beer. It is about two microbrewers who uh, they screw over a town witch, and so she curses their beer, and every single person who drinks it has like a gruesome, ironic demise. And uh, like a guy who is bald uh, becomes a werewolf. Um, funny stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> And that one's really fun. That's like a party movie. That We made that before um, WNUF. And before that, we made a movie called President's Day, um, which is a high school slasher movie that takes place at, uh, at a high school uh, at a called Lincoln High School. And it, the, the killer is dressed like Abe Lincoln. It's essentially election uh, as a slasher movie. <laughs> like there's the Reese Witherspoon character is heavily inspired by... Uh, you know, movies like Mean Girls and Heathers and uh, Election. And uh, that, that is another movie that's just crazy to me that we, we, we shot in a uh, Catholic high school that no longer exists. We, we killed 19 people on screen in a Catholic high school in a summer for $5,000. <laughs> like, that movie should also not exist. <laughs> I, I have to see. All of our movies are very, when I say micro-budget, it's really like no-budget movies. Because like when people say micro-budget these days, they're talking like 150, 250K, right? Well, we make these movies for, for like 5K or $2,000. The movie we're making right now, um, we're in the middle of shooting. Uh, we start back up in um, November. Uh, we're making a clickbait satire horror anthology called What Happens Next Will Scare You. Um, it's basically a bunch of people who work at, at like a BuzzFeed um, clickbait site are pitching the top 13 scariest videos on the internet to their boss trying to save their job um, for their Halloween article. And one of the early entries, the video actually has a curse on it that's unleashed into the office. And then basically um, 
bad shit happens while the other videos are also being presented. And each one of the videos is shot on a different medium. Um, they're basically, uh, each anthology segment is like a faux YouTube clip that we made that contains a different monster. Um, and they're all, you know, one's on a cell phone, um, one's a, a police dash cam. They're all done on different formats. So they're, they all feel, it's another weird movie like WNUF that like we haven't really seen. We try to do, um, something different each time. And we also try to do the, the most creative thing we can do with like what we have to work with. And, um, we just felt like this was a good, uh, a good next project. Well, I, I love the premise of that one because anthology horror is amazing. I, I'm a big fan of that, but yes, you're both of us. Yeah. Your wraparound story is so unique that I definitely going to be checking that out. Uh, Mike, I hope you're taking notes. We're going to order some copies of these for the <laughs> store. Yes. Most well, definitely. uh, for your story, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we'll be shooting uh, um, 15 days between November, December, and January, all nights and weekends. Um, so we're really excited. Another ramping up for another movie. Well, just kind of curious. Um, we were just. What else do you have coming out? I mean, you, I, I know you're, you're just talking about what comes next will scare you, but, I mean, you're such a busy guy. I know that you have to have, you know, all kinds of shit coming out, comics and... Well, we, yeah, so we got this, um, we just, uh, we, ha we don't have um, a distribution method for this yet. Uh, we haven't worked out all the details of distribution, but uh, we just... Uh, finished our uh, print we printed our comic uh we made a horror anthology comic that's like in the vein of tales from the crypt and the witching hour and um it is called burial plots and we have our own crypt keeper named doug graves who's the um you know the caretaker at the laytonsville cemetery and uh laytonsville is, is a location that pops up in many of our movies and um it's really awesome. Like we're really proud of it. And, uh, the artist that, uh, we got to work with John DeCampos, he just kicked ass. The artwork is so fucking cool. Um, so yeah, you can look that up. Burial plots. Uh, it, that's what it's called. And, uh, hopefully soon we'll have like some news on distribution, but at this point, um, we're just sending out the comics to the Kickstarter backers. So that was another project that was like funded by, our community, you know, um, it's really cool. We're really grateful for sure. Well, that's awesome. I, I will definitely be keeping an eye out for that because I'm also a fan of, uh, comics. So I'll definitely grab that. And I also love the premise of that, of, you know, the tales are told by the graveyard groundskeeper. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, it, that when we come up with a story called burial plots, it seemed like that was fitting. It's funny, man. Like, uh, like that that you said you hadn't heard of the comic a lot of people who uh who discover wnuf and like i don't blame them i mean you discover a movie that most people don't go and try to find out like what else um the filmmakers have done but a lot of times people like really aren't aware of like our catalog like and like the fact that we've made seven movies you know and that wnf is kind of like in the middle of the of of that catalog now and uh like even like you know we've had three successful kickstarters that have like all run for like between like 
60 and 90 days and you know i'm blasting social media like that's how like you and I, you guys and i got connected even and like people who i interact with often on social media they don't even know like they're like you guys should do a kickstarter for one of your movies you might have success that way and i'm like <laughs> cool good idea i mean i i appreciate like that you know the the confidence but it's like we actually did we've done three kickstarters <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I would encourage everybody to check out Call Girl of Cthulhu. Um, Witches Brew is really fun, as especially this time of year. I think a lot of people, it's a party movie. It's really fun. Um, you know, another low budget, lots of low budget stuff. But uh, for what it is, I'm really proud of it. You know, for once again, for what we had to work with, I think we kicked ass. Um, no, I, I'm definitely gonna. Are they available on Amazon? If I yeah, to... uh, they're not. Witches Brew is available Amazon streaming. They're not on Prime, um, but uh, you can. I think it's like three ninety nine to rent, and uh, WNUF is on Prime. Mm-hmm. It's also on Shutter right now. Um, for anybody who's listening who has Shutter, WNUF Halloween Special is on Shutter, um, and it's also available to rent on Amazon. Call Girl, you can get anywhere. Okay. It's like on every single cable platform. Um, it's on Vudu. It's on Google Play. It's on iTunes. Um, it's it, you. If you want to watch Call Girl of Cthulhu, you can you can find it anywhere to rent. Um, President's Day. The only place to find it, um, to my knowledge, is Amazon now and the various other places that sell uh, D- DVDs. But it's not available streaming anywhere. Um, and then we made a couple movies before them, but they're really rough, and you have to start somewhere. But they're really rough, and we we kind of don't tell people about those first two movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get Mark what you mean. That's oh, that. that's my uh, that's my style of filmmaking right there. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's like a double disc that contains it's like two films on one disc and contains you know our early stuff. Yeah, uh, if I could find those, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to ask you as well is with Halloween um, just around the corner um, on our last show. We did talk about our top five movies that we watched leading up into the holiday. So, do you have like a top five that you must watch every October? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get, how about I do a top top ten? Okay, okay that's fine. Um, Fuck yeah, man. I, post, I posted about this um, about a month ago because everyone was like talking politics, and I was just trying to shake it up. I was like, let's talk about something fun, guys. And so I just, it was like, I jumped the gun on the Halloween, uh, you know, spirit because it was like mid-September, but screw it. I wanted, I wanted to like talk about something that would get me excited. So uh, top 10, I would say uh, number 10 is Idle Hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think That's... it doesn't get a lot of credit, man. I think it's really fucking funny. Um, and, you know, the costume aspect of it, the Halloween, uh, you know, time period, um, it's just a really fun horror comedy and it has heart. Like the characters have heart, you know? Um, and it's like, it's one of those movies that sort of feels like it's from the early nineties rather than the late nineties. And, uh, yeah. So that's on my must list. You're, you might laugh at this, but, uh, it's another silly one. There's silly ones, but I get onto the more serious ones. Uh, Ernest Scared Stupid is my number nine. Oh, that's, a cl- that's a classic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucking amazing, yeah, man. Yeah, that's definitely a classic. Hell yeah. 
Um, I just, I love Ernest. Um, it's funny, like, I am not a fan of the Tyler Perry uh, films, but I'm really excited about uh, the Medea Halloween. Yeah, I, I saw that trailer. I, because, because I really think it's like, this generation's earnest. I really do. And um, I just think that it could possibly be on the same level as that earnest scared stupid if they do it right. Now, I did hear they shot it in like three days, and that gets me like worried that it's going to be absolute shit, right. um, which is probably what most people are thinking anyway, but I have high hopes for it. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, Number eight is kind of like a wild card, Mad Monster Party. Um, have you guys seen that? Uh, that's the that's animated, right? Yeah, the claymation. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. And it has all the classic horror characters uh, from the '60s, um, like all the classic Universal monsters. It's just, I just love it. Um, number seven, absolutely, and it really could go way higher on the list is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I really, really wish that every Halloween after that was an anthology Halloween like they had planned. Mm-hmm. I really think, like, just the fact that that didn't work is so heartbreaking. Because, like, can you imagine if we'd be like, what was that, like, uh, what what year was that? That was like, 82, eight, that 3 eight, came out, yeah. Imagine we'd be on, like, Halloween, like, 20-something, and each year could have been, like, an awesome, you know, new story taking place on Halloween. I just am so bummed that that didn't happen. Well, the one positive is if they would have stuck with that format, it wouldn't take them, like, uh, 10 years between installments, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. No, I know, because there's only so much you can do with Michael Myers. Right. Um, And I feel like they did it in one and two. Although I am a fan of H2O. I really do like H2O. I think it, it's a nice like bookend to the series. Um, and I feel like uh, Jamie Curtis's character, Jamie Lee Curtis's character gets a nice like, you know, finale in H2O. Um, but uh, number six, and this is another one that could go higher on the list, but uh, Fright Night. I'm just, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I fucking love that movie. It's got to be on there. Um, it's just, it's got... Oh. Mike, seriously? <laughs> I'm Take not going to answer it. We're, 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 we're closed. I'll answer it tomorrow. How about it? God. <laughs> Sorry about that. The video store is closed. You could have recommended Fright Night to him. I should. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just love Tom Holland. I love all of his work. I just think he's awesome. I really wish that... It's funny, when the, uh, when the new Spider-Man was announced that Tom Holland was doing Spider-Man. I actually thought it was the director. Like, cause my first notion of Tom Holland is the director, you know, it was, I didn't even know who the actor Tom Holland was. So I was really excited. I was like, Holy shit. The guy did Fright Night is doing Spider-Man. That's so fucking awesome. Um, I was really disappointed to find out that wasn't true. Um, number five, Night of the Demons. Absolutely. I just think it's like, it's just such a cool flick. Uh, I actually got to meet Kevin Tenney, not to be like a name dropping, but he actually was at a festival um, that we played at. Our first movie played at a festival in uh, California, and one of his films was playing at the same time. And uh, so it was really cool to get to hang out with him and uh, talk about filmmaking and stuff. Um, and he was just a really cool guy. And uh, I just loved that movie. Not a fan of the remake, um, like at all. Um, I love the sequel too, Night of the Demons too. Yeah. 
Um, I, I wouldn't put it on this list, but I think it's an awesome movie. Um, number four is John Carpenter's Halloween, um, 1978. Um, right? 78? Yep, 78. I just, like, I, you know, now that there's, like, Rob Zombie's... It's all like, over the place. It's, it gets very confusing. Right. So, uh, yeah, John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's my number four. Number three, Trick or Treat. I fucking love Trick or Treat. Um, and uh, did you guys see Krampus? Oh yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that's um, another one. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm a big Doherty fan. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see what he does. Um, I believe they're making a Trick or Treat too, which is really cool. Um, I just think Trick or Treat is like the perfect horror anthology. I just love that was, it. That was actually my number one pick. Wow, awesome! Yeah, I just love it. Um, number two, Monster Squad, man. Um, <laughs> that's gotta be yeah. Huge fan. Yeah fan um i love fred decker um i love shane black um and uh the fact that they're working on predator together is so awesome and exciting to me mm-hmm. um did you guys see that pilot they did for amazon um it only had the one episode it was a western it was so they just did it last year it was really fucking cool uh, um but yeah number two yeah. number two monster squad Oh yeah, I don't think I don't think it's available anymore. Um, number one, Hocus Pocus, without a doubt. Um, I'm a huge Hocus Pocus fan, and yeah, it's a kids movie, but um, it just like I just love everything about it. Um, it's everything I want in a in a Halloween movie. Yeah. It's got a nice, you know, tone, atmosphere, all that stuff that you need. Yeah. For... If I could put exactly, yeah. Mm. If I could put TV on here, I'd say. Roseanne, like all the Roseanne specials, wow. they're yeah, they were always good. Yeah, they they tapered off in in quality in the later the later seasons, right. but I think that's because they all got tired of doing their jobs. Probably. <laughs> uh, well, it's weird. It's weird to think that you could get tired of being like the stars of a TV show, but like you always see it happen. They're just they've been playing the same character for like a decade, and they're just they just want to they're just taking a paycheck at that point. Well, the last season especially was just the whole, and you know, the the entire last season of that show I thought was really just weak. Oh, yeah. The, the, it was all in her head. Mm -hmm. Uh, or like, yeah. I was like, that's (laughs) the biggest cop out ever for that. Yeah. It's a wild one. But yeah, I'm a huge, I actually have like the DVD sitting by my TV of the Roseanne Halloween specials. Uh, and I'm planning to watch them soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my list. Well, that, how, that's a hell of a fucking list, man. Well, thanks. Definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I fucking I love Halloween. I love it. How about like any traditions? Is there anything like special that you do during this time of year? Like, uh, do you like decorate? Do you? Um... Okay. Well, the thing is, October because we've made we've made seven horror movies in nine in ten years, mm-hmm. right? And they're all we all sort of have released, made them around fall and uh, released them in the fall. So this time of year, the last like decade has really been wholly devoted to, I mean, it's appropriate devoted to horror movies, but to this, to our filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I have tried to maintain like the things that I do. Like I love dressing up. I love giving candy, candy to kids. Um, but 
many, many years recently, it's been very hard to keep up with any sort of traditions because we're constantly doing screenings. We're going to, we're driving like six hours to see a screening and then driving six hours back like the next morning. You know what I mean? Like crazy stuff like that. And uh, uh, constantly hustling, man. Um, <laughs> so that's, but uh, this year we don't have any, any films coming out. So um, I decorated real early. And uh, like we had a production meeting at my house in September and I had already, uh, I wanted to get the crew into the spirit and we had already decorated for Halloween. We had like a pumpkin in our window. It was like September 20th. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Very excited. Yeah. Um, but how about you guys? What are your Halloween traditions? I've been talking about me the whole time. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. I normally, uh, I don't do anything. I mean, I, I stopped. <laughs> I haven't gone out. Well, obviously I'm older now, but um, you know. I usually give out the candy. Uh, a few years, I dressed up as Myers, scared a few nice. of the kids. But we don't even get kids like um, anymore. The last four or five years, no trick or treaters whatsoever. At all? That's At crazy. all? None. None. How about you, John? Uh, I actually, um, well, every year I watch uh, Evil Dead. Nice. Um, I, I love to hand out the candy. Uh, yeah. I'm actually a little disappointed I have to work this Halloween. Ah, uh, that sucks. And it's a new job. I'm on probation. I can't call off. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I also, I, I've recently in the past, uh, I guess, three years, really started to turn it into my Christmas. And the people that I actually buy gifts for, I buy at least half the amount of gifts that they would get for Christmas now. And they get it during Halloween. Oh, wow. That's cool. I like that. I like yeah, so Sam Hain brings presents on <laughs> Christmas or on Halloween. Yeah. yeah, I like that notion. That's cool. I have never heard of something like that. I, I really I like that. It's cool. Yeah, I, you brought up Hocus Pocus, and I actually just bought the Blu-ray for my girlfriend as a Halloween present. Nice. That's awesome. Has she seen it? I hope she likes it. Oh, she's she's seen it. She's a huge fan of it. Actually, one of the other presents is uh, uh, Fright Rags Limited Edition Hocus Pocus shirts. Oh, shirt! I've seen that design. They they oh my god, all of their shirts. Wish I could get them all. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, this year I don't know. I I still haven't figured out what I'm wearing um, to um, give out candy to the kids. One year I. Uh, we were like on the heels of finishing up Call Girl of Cthulhu and all I had sitting around, like I had to come up with a costume. So I just dressed up like a Cthulhu cultist and that was fun. Like, uh, it scared a lot of kids. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think those kids know who Lovecraft is though. No, No, which is a shame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since I actually have to work this Halloween, I'm off a, a couple days up till that. And, uh, well, me and my girlfriend found uh, a route to take through our area of haunted areas. And, and we're going to do that. But at night, I just decided I'm going to throw on my Jason mask and stuff like that. And I'm just going to walk around and stalk people just for the fun of it. Nice. That's awesome. So you guys are in uh, in Pennsylvania, Right. Right. So do you have a lot of, uh, is it like a rural area? Oh, no, not at all. 
No, I'm I'm actually two blocks from uh, our uh, my apartment is two blocks from our city police, so I'm I'm a little hesitant, but I'm still gonna do it. Worst they're gonna do is tell me to not do that. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you're not dressed as a clown, you'll be all right. Just uh, keep the machete away from me, okay? Thank you. God, this clown hysteria. This this is the new satanic panic. It's uh. It's making me laugh a lot. <laughs> well, I, I think that should be your next film project. You know, the the satanic, you know, clown cult clown. that is, that is going a, worldwide. There is a clown, and what happens next will scare you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a uh, that particular segment is um, a video dating service uh, video of a guy who basically was like a, a John Wayne Gacy, and he did one of those. Um, tapes that in the 80s that they did where it was actually you would make a tape of yourself and send it in you know and uh it's literally this just this guy talking about what he wants in a woman um being creepy Um. (laughs) wow oh i can't wait i really really can't wait well just being curious before we let you go what what would be like your your dream project jimmy uh Wow. Uh, to make something of a, of a significant budget that has... So, I grew up in the time of, uh, you know, Indiana Jones, um, Monster Squad, these movies that have uh, heart, right? And, sure. uh, and I feel like the audiences now, they don't... Un- the audiences that grew up of the last uh, like ten years, the reason that they're not given these stories is they're not demanding these stories. You know, they don't have a desire or need to be made to felt feel that way when they're watching a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's why those movies that movies these days don't have them because the market research tells the people with the money that you don't need that. Um, so I would definitely harken back to a storytelling, uh, a bigger budget story with um, an ensemble cast um, and like lighthearted. But uh, yeah, I would love to make a horror movie that has like an ensemble cast, um, like a monster squad that has laughs, gore, um, but ultimately like is a very um, traditional Hollywood storytelling, um, if that makes sense. Like I'm, no. a, I'm a guy who likes that. Like we made, we there's two scripts that we we almost that we we've optioned some scripts, and both of those if they had got made, like um, they were much bigger budgets. Uh, one was like they told us they were to write it for like seven million dollars, and then the other they said, oh, don't even worry about the budget, which is, you know, that was it was stupid of us, but we just we just went all out and like ultimately the script we wrote it too high budget, and that's what like the problem was but uh we wrote this one script called tombstone um which was a bunch of it was basically a uh, strain of marijuana that was growing on a native american burial ground and uh this guy who is actually part native american and he's been uh punished uh his punishment community service is to like uh, have this mentor um 
who is working on at this burial ground and he's actually supposed to be the groundskeeper as community service and he just discovers the strain of marijuana and he is like an ex-drug dealer so what does he do he harvests it right but it has a native american curse on it and he doesn't know this and so he sells it and it's very much like the witch's brew concept like um if you smoke it um native american demons come out of the haze and uh if you uh eat it you turn into like sort of like a, a plant monster and uh basically this company made us turn it into just a straight up zombie movie like if you smoke it or you eat it you turn into a zombie but we had a lot of fun with that and like if that movie that was that movie is called tombstone if that got made that was like exactly the type of movie that chris and i both um would love to to make um we weren't attached as like being like producers on it but that would be an awesome movie and then we made we wrote this other script that got optioned which is basically the concept is what happens what would happen if the apocalypse took place at cheers um it's called farmageddon um and uh it's just basically a bunch of uh local people at the town pub uh the world is ending um and they just decide to like hang out at their bar like they always do and uh there's a church across the street and they've had like constantly uh problems with the church for years you know because like what church wants a bar across the street you know and uh so basically a pregnant virgin shows up at this church and uh they are being chased she is being chased by the four horsemen of the apocalypse and she is carrying the antichrist baby and uh the priest brings her into the bar and so they have to hold up it's a it's a siege movie in this bar with all these like um cast of zany characters like like you would find in cheers um while the four horsemen of the apocalypse try to get in damn and so yeah. that's, it had all the things you know it had heart um it had comedy it had gore galore it had creatures um so uh we would have loved to have made that movie so those are the types of films that I would love to make. That's the hell of a fucking answer, man. I would love to see those too. <laughs> yes, please. See, wow. Damn, I well, feel like Native American one would be harder to do. Um, now, it's not like uh, our concept, it's not like we treat the material with any like inherent racism, but I feel like it's a very touchy subject these days. And so I, I, I really don't think that we would follow that uh, project through now but um it's still really fun um like the best character in the in the story is like the main character like the badass like the ash of the story is this old native american guy who like everybody treats him like he's some character out of blazing saddles and he's like what the fuck come on guys like <laughs> <laughs> like he's pissed off at the racism so <laughs> I, I like that concept though <laughs> Uh, all right, Jimmy. Well, we've been closed up for a while now. Is there anything you'd like to say before we kind of kick you out of the store? No, I just I appreciate you guys giving me the time to talk about our stuff, about our movies. Um, so, yeah, we are Midnight Crew Studios. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find our works, uh, Call Girl of Cthulhu, WNUF Halloween Special, Witches Brew, President's Day, um, and the comic book that we just put out called Burial Plots. You can find these things all online. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at underscore Jimmy George. I'm also on Facebook. Go ahead and find me. All right, Jimmy. Thank you so much. And uh, 
Uh, here's a copy of Satan's Little Helper. Hopefully, that's your weird horror film that'll oh, that's perfect. help you. All this right, buddy. Great. This is great. My wife's going to love it. Yeah, free of charge. Have a good night. Nice. And uh, Mike, we, we got to get to the back. We have that delivery coming, right? Yes, we do. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back.
and welcome back. We are here at Press Play, and we have with us a very special guest. Michael J., would you please introduce our very special guest? I'm, I'm surprised you didn't come in here with a Santa mask on. I was, I was half expecting that, but it did not happen. Um, it is my pleasure to introduce someone who, uh, who I have had on, I guess, uh, podcast since 2011. He started out with Scream the Inside Story, and now he is starring in a film. Um, Lito Velasco, a um, brilliant, brilliant actor and um, just composer and um, just all around a great person. So, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's... Yeah, Mike, uh, just take the phone off the hook. Yes, the phone is going off the hook now for this. I don't know why people are... Calling. You guys better... Well, they're, they're probably calling to see if you have copies of all through the house. <sighs> Most likely. <laughs> I should have taken that call, but uh, we'll call back tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. So, Lito, thanks for stopping by and actually dropping us off uh, some copies of all through the house. Um, no problem. My, my pleasure. Yeah, man. Huge, huge, huge thank you uh, to that. But, uh, man, I, I just kind of have to ask. I, I know that you've done a lot of work behind the scenes. So what drew you to this to actually play the killer? Well, that's a good question. First of all, thank you, Mike and uh, John. Thank you both for having me on. I'm very honored. And Mike, uh, some very, very kind words, probably a little too flattering, but I appreciate that. I'm humbled by that. Um, that's what, what made me want to play that role. Um, basically I came to LA because I wanted to be an actor. Um, I've been studying acting and involved in acting on and off since I was, uh, I guess like seven or eight years old. And I came out here thinking, you know, like many people do, I'll just come out there and start acting. No big deal. Well, of course it's a lot harder than you think it will be. Um, so in addition to doing a little bit of acting here and there, I got involved in behind the scenes work. And because I studied music growing up as well as acting, I started doing a lot of music stuff as well. And what drew me to this particular project really was that it was presented to me because friends with the director, Todd Nunes and I um, go back to, I think 2006, he was actually the producer on the first student film that I worked on in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles film school. Um, that film was called uh, my Albanian hero. And in it, I was starring alongside the director, young, young, young sister. And Todd was, really good uh, friends with the director, Patricia McBall, and their friendship went back a few years. So Todd was kind of the person that reigned in the younger sister whenever she got a little too hyper because she was super young. She was probably like, I don't know, six or seven years old at the time. And because Todd was always there on set whenever Patty was off, you know, making adjustments or whatever, he and I, you know, got to talking a lot. And we really hit it off the first day because when we were on the drive from their apartment to the first location, we both discovered, oh shit, you like Friday the 13th? Oh, I love Friday the 13th. Oh, well, let's start quoting Friday the 13th. So <laughs> on the drive over to the set, we're sitting in the back seat doing Alice and Mrs. Voorhees dialogue from the end of the film back and forth. And people in the front seat are like, oh my God, you guys are crazy. But that's what really um, bonded us really quickly. And, and of course, we're both big fans of all kinds of genres, like superheroes and comic books and 
you know, all that sort of thing. So we had a fast friendship, been friends since then. Whenever Todd had any kind of projects that he was involved in, he would, you know, call me up to see if I wanted to participate, particularly if they were horror projects. Um, and every year Todd works with the Redmond company who are the people that produced um, all through the house. They are very diversified, I guess I'd say production company. They do all sorts of things from live events to, you know, um, films and commercials and et cetera. And every year they would do a haunted uh, attraction at a, at a house in Beverly Hills. And whenever Todd did this, he would call me and of course ask, well, I know you're an actor and I know you like, horror villains would you like to appear in the haunted house so every year i would you know come back and play some sort of villain one year i was uh, pennywise the clown and then another year i was just a random psycho clown and then i was like a mental patient or something and every year todd and i would ask the producers why don't you use some of the classic horror villains like freddie and michael and jason they really wanted to i think at the time they wanted to stay away from those kinds of characters they wanted to do their own creations which i totally get and respect but i think the kids who lived at the house overheard us talking about those icons and they were like fuck yeah do those so the next year i was uh, fortunate enough to play michael myers for them which i i do quite often for um well i don't do anymore but i used to do that for trancus events so todd knew that i you know just had that kind of darker side so when he was working on a film I think it was two years ago called Scary Larry. It was a movie that never actually got released, which is a total bummer because Todd co-directed it and it's, it's a great little, you know, slasher film project, but it's, it's hit problems with distribution. And um, when we were doing reshoots, they couldn't get the guy that was playing the villain to come back for the reshoots because he was busy with another project. So Todd asked me, he said, would you like to play the killer? And I was like, well, I would, but that guy's like six, seven, and I'm only barely six foot one. So through the magic of certain, you know, angles and, you know, Hollywood tricks, quote unquote, they were able to make it look like I was six foot seven. So I worked about a week and a half on that as, you know, the substitute stand in killer. So when Todd had this next project, he came to me and said, look, we work great together. I know this isn't what you're searching for because you know you want to do stuff where you're going to be seen and when you're going to have dialogue but this character really is you you know i mean it's not me per se but he said that the, the body type and you know the story and the pathos he was like i know you can bring something to that and with your eyes and the fact that you studied you know pantomime and all that sort of thing i really think that you're the right person to play this role so i reluctantly read the script and um after I read it, I was like, all right, let's do it. So that's a long answer, but that's basically how that came about. <laughs> so <laughs> does that cover it for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hell man. And for lunch I had spinach lasagna and that, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> spinach lasagna is actually pretty freaking awesome. But yeah. anyway, back to the movie. Um, it, it's very nice to know that you had such a long history playing characters like that and it clearly comes through in your portrayal so i thank you just gotta ask man what what was kind of your inspiration behind it um really it it really was just a matter of looking at what the script required you know 
there was a lot of conflict in this character. I mean, should I, since I'm delivering these copies for you guys, you guys got the screener that we sent, right? Oh, I've oh, yeah. seen it, yes. Yeah, yeah I okay. just so actually you, watched Obviously, hmm. yeah, because you just, I should have known that since you just complimented me, but thank you. But uh, um, is, are we allowed to talk about spoilers or? I'll, uh, I'll put a spoiler warning in the write-up, so we're good. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, because, I mean, it's hard to talk about the character without getting into the actual details. Um, so I looked at the script, and, and there's so much pain um, and pathos in this particular character. Like I said before, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of loss of identity. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and that's really something that I thought about when it came to the physicality of it. You know, I, I went so far as since I have long hair, I was like, well, the long hair is perfect because, you know, we're not sure would this person have long hair or not have long hair, given, you know, the fact that they've been kind of treated like a girl their, their whole life when they're actually a man. And I have a mother that's in the medical field. And I asked her, I said, would if, you know, if this person was snipped in the way that they were, would it be possible for them to have facial hair and, you know, to, to be muscular? And she, she and I talked a long time about it because she worked over 30 years in, in the field. And, and she said, well, you know, if he was, he or she was in a mental institution, more than likely they would be receiving hormone injections, which would lead to them, you know, developing facial hair and muscularity, she said, but you wouldn't be overly muscular. So even though, you know, you can't tell in the suit, I actually went so far as to uh, lose a little bit of the muscle that I normally have on because I, you know, I figured if there was ever an addition to scenes where I was shirtless or if they saw me without shirts or, you know, uh, what do they call them? Scrubs, like patients where I didn't want to, you know, be bulked up. I wanted to look the way Jamie would actually look. So a lot of that, the movement and stuff like that just came from talking with Todd and saying, look, here's how I see it. I feel like there are times where Jamie's going to assert the masculinity, but there are other times where the femininity is going to come out because there, there is that internal conflict. But I always wanted it to have a sense of like the scene where he finds his sister tied up in the closet and he sees her and he, you know, thrusts the shears at her in a very phallic way. I always wanted it to have a sense of there's a masculinity that's trying to break through, that's trying to overcompensate and override the feminine side. So that's, that's pretty much how I approached it. And that's another thing that I noticed too, um, with some of the kills, especially like your eyes tell a lot. If that was, you know, the way that you just, I mean, you really looked deranged, like unstoppable. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's, I think that's another reason why Todd wanted to use me is because he knows I have very, uh, I have very big Bambi eyes, Mm. Disney eyes, as they call them, which works to my disadvantage a lot of the times when I'm going to audition because I'll hear feedback about stuff and they'll say, well, he's, you know, he's a good looking guy and he's got a good physique, but he just has sort of a feminine look. And I I never, you know, get offended by that because I, I know it's, I know it's the reality of my situation. I am who I am, so I can't change that. It's not something I fight, but I think that's part of why, you know, Todd was thinking, well, this guy can pull it off because he has those eyes that pop out of, you know, photographs and in a mask, again, aside from your physicality, that's the only thing you can use to, 
to communicate because we talked a lot about should, should Jamie ever vocalize and we never wanted Jamie to speak. There was a lot of, I should, I should also add that there was a lot of inspiration from Halloween because obviously, um, even though Nick Castle always says he didn't put that much into his performance, there's a lot going on in Nick Castle's performance of the shape, whether it's, you know, the, the, the kind of <sighs> noises that he makes or his breathing or the way that he moves, you know, it's, there's a lot of things, a lot of notes that I took from that performance. Like there's that great homage shot in all through the house where uh, Natalie Montero's character finds the wine in the living room and she starts backing up and you see Jamie slowly rising behind her. That's, mm-hmm. that's obviously an homage to Halloween. So even something as simple as that, all I thought was how would Nick do this, you know, and is that true to the way Jamie would move? And, and it's very much true to Jamie in a lot of ways because Nick Castle is a big guy. Like if you've ever seen him in real life, he's a pretty large guy, but he moves with a certain grace that's, it almost belies you know, the size of this dude, but then you find out that he used to be a dancer and it's like, well, that makes sense because he moves in a way that, you know, gave the shape that kind of otherworldly kind of grace that was like, okay, when he comes down the stairs, it's so eerie in that shot because he moves so rapidly and so fluently that you wouldn't expect that from a dude that's, you know, going around butchering people. And I thought that was something that I could also bring to the performance. Well, we're we're talking about characters that, you know, you say you drew a lot from uh, uh, Nick Castle and Halloween. It, mm-hmm. I, I have to toss mm-hmm. out that just some of the cinematography and how it focused on your eyes is very reminiscent of Billy and uh, uh, Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Thank you. I just completely oh, yeah. blanked on that. Yeah. And yeah. E- even the characterization of the amount of pain and whatnot, that it, it's cliche, but it reminds me so much of Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely that. And I mean, again, since we're going full out with spoilers and everything, you know, when you get to the end, I think it's very, it's very strange because I've watched this film on the big screen, I think three times. And, um, every time that I've seen it, I've been fortunate enough to see it with my wife sitting next to me. And when we get to that scene at the end where, you know, Mrs. Garrett finally says to Jamie, you know, I, I see you, you know, I finally see you. There's that moment that we really wanted to play up where Jamie's like pauses and turns and looks at her and there's almost tears in his eyes or his or her eyes, whichever you want to use. But we really wanted that moment to be a very serious kind of uh, moment where Frankenstein, it's like the Frankenstein monster. Um, there's some, there's scenes in Boris Karloff's first film where you almost feel sorry for Frankenstein. And that's really what we wanted in that scene, especially after Mrs. Garrett, you know, bites the bullet courtesy of Jamie. Um, you know, he looks down and puts the mask on her and that's really the transition where we see, you know, Jamie did some like horrible things, but you never want to really feel sorry for a psychopath. that's dismembering and killing people. But Jamie was created by his mother. You know, he never stood a chance. So, you're definitely spot on making that comparison because obviously we talked a lot about that when we were filming it. So, you know, I, it's so silly. My wife, obviously she feels more connection to Jamie since it's me, but she always gets this kind of little like, Oh, you know, when, when she sees Jamie pause right before he gets stabbed in the back by his delightful mother. So 
it's cool that people are, you know, making that connection on their, on their own viewings, because we obviously you never want to get that over the top in terms of like poking people in the eye to make the connection. But it's, I'm glad that it's coming through in the film. Uh, well, it, it definitely does. And your portrayal is really what carried me throughout the film. Um, well, one other thing that really, really grabbed me right off too is, is that, that mask. How the hell did you guys come across it? Cause that is probably the scariest Santa mask I've ever seen. And I thought silent night <laughs> really nailed it with theirs, but God damn, man. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. We, um, we, I don't really know where Todd found it. Honestly, I'll, I'll be totally honest. We, I know it was a pre-existing um, mask. It wasn't something that was fabricated. They went to great lengths, kind of like, again, the, the Michael Myers, the shapes mask. They they altered it in certain ways. I think they they made the eye holes a little bit bigger and they colored it and they put the beard on and et cetera, et cetera. But um, the, what we ended up doing was, you know, how in Halloween they had a, a choice between the Emmett Kelly and the William Shatner because they had a budget of, you know, like $2.50, basically. Yeah. And, they, and, and when they were filming it, there was really nothing. They weren't filming at Halloween, so and Halloween genre stuff wasn't as big as it is now, so they, they only, you know, could get their hands on these couple of masks, so they just had that choice. With us, it was literally, you know, Todd um, started planning for this film so far in advance that literally any time he went to any kind of store, be it a costume store, or there's a, there's a couple of great stores in Burbank called Halloween Town, and then there's a Halloween Town costume store um, that are obviously run by the same people. And anytime he would go to a place like that or Dark Delicacies in Burbank or any, or any place that he would find horror stuff or holiday stuff or Santa stuff, if he found any kind of mask, he would buy it, you know, ranging from like, you know, a couple bucks to like, you know, $15 or something. And one day, excuse me, he called me to his house and um, he said, so we're going to do this photo shoot and we're going to take a look at the mask. And I showed up and there's literally like probably 20 different masks. And the cinematographer was there, this, this great friend of ours named Ryan Anderson and Ashley, the star was there and Todd was there, of course, and my wife. And so we, we strung up these Christmas lights and we put, you know, Christmas trees and I just put on the outfit and literally went from mask to mask and, and I would, you know, pose all these different ways and, you know, holding the shears and, you know, petting the shears and licking the shears and, you know, just looking intimidating, using the lights as a, you know, like a garrote that you would use to strangle someone. And we took hundreds of photos and after looking at the masks in person and looking at the photos and seeing the reactions of Ashley and Jennifer and, Todd, we finally decided, you know, that's the mask. It was down to that and I think two others. And they were all different, but they all had one thing in common. They all allowed my eyes to be seen and they all allowed um, for the eyes to pop in terms of there was no obscuring and my eyes were really close to the, you know, the front of the mask because there are certain masks like the Michael Myers mask and in like uh, Halloween six, that thing is so oversized that even, you know, even if you don't put that black screen in front of the eyes, your eyes are kind of hidden in shadow or like the Jason hockey mask. If you, if 
if you put it on, the eyes are really deep set behind the actual eye holes. So when you shoot it in the right light, you can't see the eyes. And that's the thing, like I said, that we talked about. We didn't want my eyes to be hidden. We wanted them to really pop. So it was down to those three masks. And in the end, that particular mask was the one that just ended up giving everyone the most chills. So that's how we got that. Well, I just have to ask right now, mm-hmm. with the way this ends, is there going to be a sequel? Um, I hope so. <laughs> Todd had talked a lot to me about it, and I've, I talked to him on the set you know, about a couple of ideas that I had. Um, if there was a follow-up, and of course, the minute I said that, he was like, oh, well, we've already got, you know, I already have a follow-up in mind, and he sat down and told me, you know, the plot for his intended follow-up. And I was like, holy shit, we totally have to fucking shoot that. So <laughs> we're hoping that it'll catch on. We're hoping that it'll be, you know, enough of a success that we can make a sequel because um, it would be a very interesting return for me. That's that's all I'll say. I don't really want to spoil the details, obviously, but uh, there would be a little more room to play for me. No, so let's hope so. Well, is there any more acting you have coming up on the plate? What's what's next for you, Lito? Um, actually, up next, I have Todd's next film, Death Ward 13, which is actually a reboot slash remake, whatever you want to call it, of Don't Look in the Basement, one of Todd's um, favorite horror films. Oh, okay. And there was a, yeah, there was a big write-up in, in Fangoria magazine about it. And... Um, that's that's what's happening next. It's not the same kind of role for me. Um, if you've ever seen Don't Look in the Basement or people that are listening that know anything about it, it's it's got a different kind of story and a different kind of villain. But uh, I'll be doing um, um, a character in there that I'm actually very excited about because I don't have to wear a mask and I get to wear some cool um, makeup during it. So I'm, I'm I'm excited about that. And I have lines, so... So you actually get to do more than just uh, well, Run. for a lack of a better term, uh, more than just body acting. Yes, yes. Which I was very happy to do. I'll, I'll be honest, but at the same time, yeah, every every actor doesn't want to obviously be stuck behind a mask all the time. I mean, some people maybe they're fine with that, but that's not my end goal, obviously. So I know that you have involvement with uh, the audio production on, on some things. And, and Mike most recently drew my attention to a tribute to a, uh, a fallen actor of the genre. And I, I just wanted to ask how you really got involved with that. So I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about the tribute to Angus. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that came about again through, you know, the same way a lot of um, my gigs have come about through friendship, friendship. It's, you know, when they tell you it's not just what you know, it's who you know in this business, there's a lot, a lot of truth (laughs) to that saying. Um, And it's definitely the case for the Angus thing. How that came about was I've been a huge fan of the Phantasm series since I first saw the film in 1982. And it's always had a very special place in my heart. And it's always been a very unique series in that anyone that's seen it 
or has seen the sequels or anything like that knows it's got a very familial sense to it because of the fact that they always use the same actors. They always use the same crew. It's always the same director and writer. And it also has a familial sense because the, the stars themselves are so accessible. Like, you know, Angus and Reggie and Bill and Mike in real life, those guys are really some of the nicest people you will ever, ever meet in the horror and genre industry. I mean, and so far as, Every show that I've ever gone to where Reggie's, you know, guesting at night, you know, he's just hanging out in the bar with fans, you know, telling stories and just, you know, being another one of the guys. So it's, it's always been a little more special in a different way than other franchises. And because of that fandom, I got to meet a guy named Dustin McNeil, who I'm not sure if you guys know who that is, but he's like one of the biggest phantasm fans in the world he wrote uh phantasm exhumed which is kind of a tell-all book about the phantasm series and he was also very good friends with uh rory guy is well lawrence rory guy is angus's full name so after angus passed you know dustin of course was very affected and he wanted to put together a special tribute to angus and he he came to me asking if I knew about any good music to go with um, this tribute that he was putting together. And I started asking him, I was like, well, what are you looking for? You know, emotional. Well, I want it to be emotional, but I don't want it to be too, I don't want it to be like Adagio for strings from, you know, most people know that from platoon. He was like, I don't want it to be that depressing, but it, it definitely has to have that hint of sadness while also being uplifting. And I, I recommended a few, you know, tracks to him that I knew of, and I said, or depending on your timeline, I said, if, if you're interested, I'd be happy to compose something for this project. Cause this was showing on screenings on the East coast. Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't show in LA for various reasons, but, um, I, you know, I approached him with the idea and he said, well, I didn't want to ask you cause I know you're busy and you know, the budget is zero and I know the distributor is not going to essentially, you know, pay for anything either. And I said, it would be my pleasure to do it. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus by saying this, you know, that there was no budget, but you know, I was happy to do it because I met Angus and I'd worked with him a couple of times at shows. Cause I used to do security uh, detail for creation events. And he was just one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And I also saw him at a few screenings that I was lucky enough to attend. And he, you know, he remembered me and he was very kind. And so I was happy to do it, obviously, because he was one of those people when he died, even though I didn't really know him that well. I mean, it was I could call him up and say like, hey, buddy, how's it going? But he was one of those people that when he passed away, it, it took its toll on me emotionally as well. You know, it's like when Wes died or when Leonard Nimoy died. These are people that I had a personal connection to, even if it was small. So you know, when they die, you feel that loss in that way, but you feel that loss tremendously more because of the effect their art has had on your life. And that's how Angus was. So again, another long story, but that's how I got connected to that project. And um, I was happy to do it in the sense that I, it gave me the chance to dabble with the phantasm music, but it gave me the chance to do it in a way that it wasn't, uh, wasn't too reliant on it, you know, because I didn't want to just quote the same thing people have heard a million times I wanted to create something that sounded like it was its own thing and I wanted to use the theme in a way that it evolved 
into something different and unexpected while also pulling at the heartstrings that, you know, you have to do when you're doing that sort of thing. And, and you did a fantastic job with that. Um, before you go, man, I, 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 I just, do you mind talking a little bit of Phantasm? Cause I'm a huge fan. No, not at all. Obviously, I, of course, I love that series. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just have to say, I mean, it, it's a huge landmark in the genre and, I, I am a gigantic fan of this, but we just got in uh, a couple advanced copies of Ravenger, and I'm just mm-hmm. being curious, what's your opinion on that? Um, well, Ravager, when we saw it um, at the LA premiere, it was something, I mean, I was so anxious and excited to see that film because, again, it was the it didn't just feel like one of those movies where it was like, Oh, it's just another sequel. You know, you, like I said, I have that sort of relationship with the series that I'd grown up with the series. I mean, having seen it in 1982 when I was so young and then the sequel came in 88 and then another one in 94 and then another one in 98, it was like, I would have been happy for it to end with oblivion. Um, but the fact that we got another film, I mean, when the opening was showing at the Egyptian theater, my wife, Jennifer, will tell you, I was literally like almost hyperventilating just because I was so excited. Um, and watching that recap in the opening about, you know, Reggie telling his story and everything. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. We're actually seeing this. You know, my my reaction was I really enjoyed what they did. Honestly, I know a lot of people out there are, are shitting on the film and I get it. It's It's a different film. It's not exactly what a lot of people expected or wanted, but at the same time, I really liked the route that they went because it gave you room for interpretation as all the films I think do. I think the one that has the least room for interpretation is three in my opinion. Well, I mean, maybe two and three tied because two story is pretty straightforward and three story is fairly straightforward. There are a few moments where you're like, what the fuck is going on here? But four and one really, are the ones that if you're watching it, there's a narrative, but it's like, okay, seriously, what, what's happening here? Like you really have to think about it and, and kind of connect the dots. And I think Ravager took that even a step further with, you know, again, spoilers with the kind of alternate dimensions and alternate timelines and everything. But I really enjoyed what they did. I mean, obviously it has its flaws as every film does, even, you know, our film is flawed. And I mean, every film is not perfect except for maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark. But um, I mean, I enjoyed it, what they did. I thought it was incredibly ambitious. I thought given the material and and the budget that he had to work with, I think David Hartman really did a credit to the series. I think it's sad if anyone's seen it, um, the ending, I think I have my own interpretation of what I think happened. And I think it's, depressing but it's also fitting given you know everything that's happened in the series what's your take (laughs) i bawled Uh, my eyes out at the end of that movie actually through the movie i i there were there were points through the movie because like leto like you said the recap and the i mean really it just it hit me it really just you know listening to you talk it was like wow that was me Literally, yeah, that yeah. was me sitting there watching it. I mean, yeah, um, it's it's hard to not if you're if you follow the series, it's hard to not 
feel that connection to it. I mean, I think that's one of the things that everyone would agree with is just that you get involved in a, on a level that's different than Friday the 13th or Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street or any of the other franchises that we love. And because it has that kind of feel, I think that's why it's so special to the people that really love it. What, what did you think, John? Uh, well, I agree with that, that statement. It has, the series has always had kind of a surreal quality to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, for myself, I actually, I, I like the way they concluded the story because mm-hmm. it leaves it completely open-ended, but it's also kind of heartbreaking in the, in the exact same way. I mean, because oh, yeah. in one interpretation, we're seeing that this was all just a phantasm, just right. an illusion. Right. And in the other, you know, there's this fantastical world. And yep. I, I get what people are saying about the effects and production, but I mean, when you look at what this started as, as a simple web series, they did a great job mm-hmm. in turning that into this film. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would be very interested. I don't, I don't know if John and, and David are going to do a commentary for the Blu-ray, but I would love to hear a commentary because I would love to, or even just at a show, just, you know, sit down and say, okay, so how much of this came from Don and how much of this came from David? Because I know the web series, you know, with David and Reggie's collaboration. And I think, you know, David had an idea of how it was going to go. And I wonder if the elements of the, you know, dementia and the alternate timelines, to me, that felt very much like something Don brought to it. And I, right. I don't know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong with that theory, but it felt like this is how he's going to connect it all together because it had that sort of dawn kind of touch. And I thought, in my opinion, I thought that was pretty fucking brilliant. I mean, because you, you got in touch into that before, even in like the end of Phantasm Four. I mean, you're watching it and you're like, okay, so was this all in Mike's head? Like, you know, cause I mean, fucking the tall man even says it, you know, it's all in, in your head, boy, or whatever that line is. It's like, so you have to think, is the whole thing just a dream? Is Mike actually dead? Is he actually fine? And he's just driving into the night with Reggie and none of that shit actually happened. Or So there's so many different ways to go. I think the biggest disappointment for me in terms of Ravager has been the reaction from certain fans because there's a, there's a Facebook page that I've frequented in the past few weeks um, that's like all about the phantasm ravager community. I I can't remember the exact name of the Facebook page, but there's so many negative comments on there about this film said it was going to answer all the questions. And this film told me it was going to wrap everything up and it didn't fuck this movie. And I hate it. And blah, 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 blah. And for me, it does answer the question. You just have to do a little bit of work. You have to, you have to think about it. You have to, you know, connect the dots and you have to think about not only what's being said in, phantasm five but also the previous films and what it could mean in relation to that and i know i mean i know a lot of people don't want to do their own work they like to be spoon-fed things but i've always felt that was part of the enchantment of the series so if you went into this expecting you know to be spoon-fed all the answers like return to the jedi i don't think you're getting the point of phantasm personally i'm not trying to like talk down on these people but there's a lot of people that are shitting on the film that you know i just think it's too bad i kind of want to say well if you could do it better you go out there with you know six hundred thousand or whatever their budget is and you make a better film you know you tell me you could provide a better follow-up 
I'm not saying again that it's perfect, but given the circumstances, I think David uh, acquitted himself really, really well. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I, I know you got to get going, but Mike's going to kick me in the ass because he's on this big Halloween kick if we don't ask you a couple Halloween questions before you leave. Of course. So, <laughs> do you have any Halloween no traditions that you normally follow? Oh, yeah. Um, so the wife is big into Halloween like I am. Um, when we first got together, we were both shocked to find out that both of us had the same favorite holiday, which was Halloween. Um, because I'd never, I actually had never before her met a girl who would say that. Most girls are like Christmas or, you know, some other. And it's like, I get it. I get the appeal of Christmas. But to me, Halloween is just so much more fun. Um, I just didn't realize that her idea of Halloween was completely different than mine in many ways because she wasn't a big horror film nut. In fact, um, most of the films that I've introduced to her or most of the horror films that she's seen are because I was like, you've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. And then of course <laughs> she started loving most of it. And then she started asking to see more and more and more. So it was pretty awesome that she grew to love those things. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to sound degrading or stereotypical, but a lot of the girls that I dated before were like, Oh, I don't want to watch that blood and gut stuff. And I was like, yeah, but there's more to it than quote unquote blood and guts. And there's a lot of different kinds of horror films. So I was very happy to to see that she was going to love that stuff. And because of our shared love of those things um, and living in Los Angeles, we started going to Halloween Horror Nights uh, Hollywood. And we've been going since, I think, 2009. And it's one of our favorite traditions. Every year we get the, the uh, frequent fear multi-night pass, which gives you like anywhere from 10 to like 15, 15 different nights that you can go. And, Obviously, the first night is always the best because it's new and fresh and you don't know what to expect, so you really fucking get scared. But we like going repeatedly with groups of friends. We'll take, you know, we have our quote-unquote regulars that we go with, but then we have other friends that will be like, oh, you've never been? Oh, we're going. That's it. We've got to go, you know. And, and of course, we've been there before, so we, want, we always put them in the front of the group. Like, you've got to go first so you can really get scared. And we like doing things like that. We go to the Reign of Terror in Thousand Oaks, which is another haunted attraction there's the haunted hayride and then of course the biggest tradition is on halloween night um i dress as the shape and then we go to south pasadena which is where they actually filmed most of the original well i don't know about most of it but they filmed a lot of the original halloween in south pasadena and laurie strode's house is there and the myers house is there so on halloween night they always have a ton of visitors uh in particular the Strode house, the people that live there are so fucking cool. They actually put jack-o'-lanterns on their um, porch and pumpkins and they leave them there. They're, they're real or fake. They leave them there all year long and they say, yes, this is the Strode house. Feel free to take a pumpkin and pose with it and take a picture, but please put it back when you're done. So they get a ton of visitors and that night Jennifer will go with a big bucket of candy and I'll stock the streets of South Pasadena as the shape and people come up and take photographs. And, you know, I linger by the house, the Strode house and the Myers house. And she'll, of course, if anyone starts to freak out, she'll run up and say, no, 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 he's with me. It's okay. Here's his cosplay card and here's some candy. And, you know, it's, it's all right. But we've probably only had that happen like two or three times. Most of the time people are with it, quote unquote, enough to know why I'm there and what's going on. And they're like, holy shit, Michael Myers, let's take a picture. So those are our Halloween traditions. And then, of course, we watch all our favorite films like Halloween and trick or treat and the fog and 
you know, a long list of standards, quote unquote. And all through the house now, of course. <laughs> well, of course. Um, that is a fucking amazing tradition, I, I have to say. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel I feel you kind of already answered it, but our last episode, Mike forced us to kind of cover our top five films we feel are best to lead up to Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any that you'd like to toss out there for our listeners? My top five leading up to Halloween? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it would be just a list of, of those. I mean, I would put the fog on there. Um, I would put the new trick or treat on there. The one with little Sam, uh, if people haven't seen that movie by now, you really need to go see that fucking movie. It's, it's, I love that movie. Oh, um, what else? Um, the fog? Oh, Prince of darkness. That's one that I absolutely love watching near the end of October because it has that, I mean, it's Carpenter, so it has that vibe, but it also, I don't know, there's something about that movie that I feel like it belongs at that time of year, even though I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that came out in the summer, but, um, and then of course, Halloween, Halloween two and, uh, Halloween 20 years later, we we try to watch those every Halloween if, if we can. Um, we don't always get the chance, but we try to get those in because of course they're the to me, those are the classic Halloween films, obviously. And we don't go past Halloween 20 years later. We don't acknowledge uh, resurrection. That was just, I think, some some sort of bad dream I had or something. I'm still trying to forget. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of I think a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing list. And uh, really, Lito, thank you so much for dropping these copies off. Uh, Everyone, feel free to stop by the store, pick up all throughout the house. It is a great little throwback to the 80s slasher film that we've been talking about, so uh, feel free to pick it up. Yeah, and enjoy, and don't remember, kids, be good, because if you're not, Santa is watching. (laughs) And there is no better way to head out than with that, so uh, we'll be back next week-ish, whenever. (laughs) <laughs> we'll be back with our Halloween episode. Wow, you fucking whore. What a fucking whore. What a
police. Tell the sheriff I shot him. Who? Tell him he's still on the loose. Is this some kind of joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say yes? You do in the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really, yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.